0: On Sunday, 10th November, CICD celebrated its 60th anniversary. In today's program, you will hear the CICD Executive Chairperson, John Spate, introducing the speakers. Uh, the next speaker is Frank Cherry, who is uh, a very good friend of mine. He's from the AMW, or would have been called the Metal Workers at the time, it's now called the Manufacturing Workers Union. I uh, have great pleasure in asking Frank to say a few words. Chairman John, good friends and comrades. I bring comradely greetings from the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, retired members to CICD on this most important and significant occasion. My memories of CICD are many and varied, but most of them surround the war in Vietnam and the conscripting of young boys to go and fight, die and kill in that war. My earliest memories of CICD was that I was a shop steward at a big establishment in Port Melbourne, and I was called into the union office by a great peace activist, Laurie Carmichael. And he said to me, you'll be working for three weeks, he said, on the peace movement, and your task will be work with Sam Goldblum and Jim Cairns. I was absolutely terrified of the job, but it was a simple task that I was given I was the message boy, deliver pamphlets here, pamphlets there, go to that union. But I'd done that for about three weeks and again Laurie called me in and he said, it's been extended for 12 months and I had the honour of that time of organising meetings of our workshops in the metal industry so that Jim and Sam and other notaries could come along and speak at those mass meetings on the question of the war in Vietnam and in particular about World peace. The meetings ranged between very, very good and very, very bad, because at that time it was not popular to go into the workshop and start raving on about world peace. But little bit by little bit, with the help of the great CICD, it became abundantly clear that workers were now resounding to the call for peace. I'll only tell a brief story, but it involves Sam this time I was now Convener of Shop Stewards, I'd been replaced in my job by John Spate, but I was Convener of Shop Stewards at the Commonwealth Department of Works and Construction, a huge organisation with workshops in Port Melbourne. There were about 250 metal workers and around about 250 other trades and workers all associated with construction. In the metal shop, we'd been gradually developing a feeling and a campaign against the war in Vietnam. The Inter-Union Shop Committee, in its wisdom, we decided we need to have a mass rally of all the workers and come bring an end to that war in Vietnam. So the Inter-Union Shop Committee, in its wisdom, decided we'd hold the meeting and we'd invite Sam to come down and address us. How Sam got to that meeting is another story for another day, but I assure you it was highly dramatic because it was a Commonwealth department and getting Sam in, but I won't go into that now. But on the big day, everybody attended, everybody, they were all trade unionists of course on the site. No ticket, no start in those days. All workers on the site jammed into the canteen. It was an electric atmosphere, I can assure you and nerves of mine and the shop committee were high. But Sam came into the meeting, and I made a few rambly remarks, and then Sam got up and spoke. It was absolutely dramatic as Sam put the position of peace and the question of Vietnam. The meeting went on till around about 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon from the lunchtime meeting. It was my task to move the resolution be on behalf of the shop committee. And it was that we will stop work immediately and not return to work until midday tomorrow as our protest against the war in Vietnam. It was carried all but unanimously. It was a wonderful occasion that all those workers there, then, nearly 500, have been convinced of the work of CICD and the work of the peace movement. So those workers left and didn't come back till the following day, and we carried out the campaign that was being pursued by the trade union movement. Stop work to stop the war. Peace is trade union business, and that applies so much today. I want to say to the CICD, congratulations. We need you more than ever into the future as we face a very, very ugly future as we walk down the way of the path of peace. Congratulations, CICD. Maintain the Earth. Maintain the peace of people. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Uh, the next speaker is—I hope I pronounce this properly—Jake's Bullet. Is that right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me out here. I'm uh, sort of like a, a latecomer, and as far as the Australian peace uh, movement is concerned, I am from Belgium, and that's where my early days of peace, where they started about 60, 65 years ago. Probably also I want to first acknowledge the, uh, the stewards of the land who have been much better at than, uh, than we are about maintaining peace with the land and peace with one another. I would like to acknowledge that and particularly also acknowledging that we are still in war with them and that we just like being in war with Aboriginal peoples, we are also in war with what surrounds us and I think peacemaking, therefore, in some ways will never stop. I'm particularly also presenting the Australian Living Peace Museum which uh, came about a couple of years ago and I will say a little bit more about them later. I just wanted to put me into the kind of historical space you people have been in. My own involvement with peace and understanding about the absence of peace came about in the late 50s and early 60s. And three main things were happening around that time and I'm just recalling them as I was listening to all of you people speaking. The first thing which happened in Belgium, which is where I come from, was the uh, the Catholic Church, which sort of like was wall-to-wall Catholicism in Belgium at that stage. And we had that strange, stumbling, bald Pope from backyard uh, Italy, who suddenly became Pope. He basically turned the church inside out. He told us, young people, this is your church, fill it with life. The second thing which was happening in 1960, we lost our colony after 80-something years of uh, colonising and exploiting and killing Uh, African people, uh, we uh, finally lost that colony and those people. Of course, I had grown up. Really, with that understanding that we Belgians have been good colonisers, you know. After all, we brought them Jesus Christ, and, uh, and, and you know, in schools and all of that kind of stuff. But then we start in the early sixties, learn that in the first fifteen years of colonisation, we had been killing something like four to ten million African people. I never learned that at school. But that was a really important kind of an event for me, to learn what it is that is behind our, our, our facades. And the third thing which happened was, of course, the Vietnam War in 1964. I uh, participated in some of the first demonstrations against the Vietnam War as I was at university in Leuven. So those three things together really made me a pacifist and made me decide to not do military service, which was then at that stage still 18 months. Instead, however, the Belgian state offered the possibility of doing development work as a volunteer for three years, and I chose that option. Of course, I also very quickly then learned that what we call development was a sort of like a facade of really hidden warfare. Just to sort of point my growing into the peace movement, almost coincides with uh, the coming about of you people. So I feel very at home here, and I'm grateful for having been invited and say a couple of things about the uh, Australian Living Peace Museum. We started to think about that about five, six years ago. It was a chance meeting of Michael Hammer green very well known to most of you, I suppose, uh, bumped into me saying that uh, there were some ideas around starting an online peace museum. Across the world, there is a whole variety of online peace museums already, and there was none in Australia, and he just asked. I had meanwhile become an uh, initiator, together with many others, of the Borderlands Cooperative, and had been, you know, quitting, quitting university because, uh, given economic rationalism, universities are not really those kinds of positive places. They used to be for a short while, between the late 60s and, uh, let's say, the early 80s or so thereabouts, the mid 80s. And uh, so he said, uh, you know, th- th- there's an opportunity there, and. Uh, I said, okay, let's start doing it. That was in some important ways the beginning of that relatively young initiative of creating a museum where we can start to learn what were the peace initiatives in this country. The the peace initiatives, which to a large degree, have stayed and continue to stay hidden for the public eye. Uh, The idea was to create a, a museum where in different galleries, which people could visit using the internet, could actually visit and start to learn more in depth what it is that the peace movements in their various guises and appearances have been in this country. That was also the time, we remember, that we were celebrating the centenary of uh, our involvement in the First World War. And in the context of this gigantomaniac kind of way of celebrating that kind of war, it seemed as if the creation of an ongoing memory, uh, therefore an an aid to to our not only memorizing the past, but particularly also learn from the mistakes, but also from the good things which we did in the past across the variety of Peace movements, and individual and group and movement kinds of activities which have happened in this country and elsewhere. And that we would stick those into the different galleries of an online museum which people could access sitting in the piece of their IT machinery. We are doing this now since four years that we have started it. It was actually launched uh, during the centenary of uh, the uh, ANZAC Misery, which particularly also celebrated and talked about and tried to remember in this place. We organized four forums with a whole coalition of peace organizations from 14, uh, 15 to 18, uh, and we had probably something like 100, 110 people to each of those four forums. And within that context, we were able to launch the, uh, uh, the museum. Uh, we have a variety of galleries now uh, in 've museum, particularly also dealing with the various peace movements, the organisations, the peace events, particularly also the, uh, the refusal to uh, become a military a military servant, uh, and uh, particularly also, therefore, the kinds of broad-based activities of which you already have been hearing today. Uh, What do we need? We need more support. We are a small, relatively young, as I said, organisation. We have been surviving by running uh, writing submissions to a variety of funding sources. Uh, We were successful a couple of times, but we would like to very much enlarge the the collection and the galleries, the number of galleries, as well as the depth of uh, the material we have in those galleries. We need particularly also physical, physical presence. We would love to have more members. We are a cooperative. We, we uh, created ourselves as a cooperative about three years ago. And we would love to find more people being involved as members. Also, to help us out with all the kind of work it takes to, to, to create these galleries online and particularly also to help us raise funds so that we probably gradually can make a more a more lasting presence and a more penetrating presence. Um, ICID is member of the cooperative. Uh, Romina is with us on the, bo- on the board of, the, of that cooperative. And so if you do want to know more about it, please contact her or contact the, the Borderlands Cooperative Uh, she will be giving if asked all the kinds of connections and we will probably also put it a little bit of an advert in some of your publications so thanks for having me let's hope that we can create peace together and that we through the museum also may learn from the past mistakes and the kind of successes which we have been creating thanks for having me